We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Dynasty Recast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at Underdog, your home for best ball and more. Make sure to tune into the rest of the show so you can get a 100% deposit match up to $100. And today, my name is Nathan Powell. You may have heard of me on the Twitters at NPowellFF. And for the last couple weeks, you've heard me talking alone. You've heard me talking to John Bosch. And today, you're going to hear me talking to uh, a well-known voice in the in the fantasy fantasy sphere, Dan Sanyo. How's it going, right, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Uh, June slash July for me. Uh, yes, I do have a real job. I know you're probably thinking, wow, this isn't Dan's full-time job. He seems so committed to fantasy football content. I know, guys, but I do have an IRL job. Uh, this isn't it for me. So uh, unfortunately, uh, June specifically is absolute chaos and, um, we're back though. We're, we're here. Uh, it's my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, brother. Um, <laughs> I, I doubt you're listening, but maybe, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I get to come back. So I take what, like a month off, I, you know, I'd much rather have been doing this than what I was doing. I take a month off, Nathan. And you have this this script ready for me because we all know how much I love this specific topic. So today, um, it is an annual tradition uh, that we do the tight end show. And Dan Dan hates tight ends so much. He said, didn't we already do this? And granted, this is Groundhog Day. We do the same shows every year, year in and year out. We've been doing this for like 10 years now. But uh, I went through all the descriptions. And the last time we talked about tight end was a tight end recap of the 2021 season in December. So we've gone six months with probably talking very sparingly about tight ends. We did talk a little bit about Gronk last week uh, with John Bosch, but today is the tight end show. We're going to break down the top, the bottom, the middle, and every, everything in between. So before we get in, or no, before we get into, let's get into, let's get into the show uh, presented by underdog. We have 
the first question, how big is the top tier? I feel like, you know, many years we had the Gronk and the Graham and then the Gronk and the Gronk and the Kelsey and the Gronk and the Kelsey and the Graham. And what is the what is the top tier looking like in 2022 for you, Dan? I think it's fairly short. I think we're still just Andrews and Pitts. Uh, I would say Pitts and Andrews, but I think until probably Pitts' second contract, Andrews is in the better situation. Uh, They go from potentially having two really good wide receivers and Andrews plus a running back core to back to, you know, trading Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals and now only having Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews uh, and a plethora of running backs. But that's kind of what we're used to. So I think situationally, Andrews is in a much better place and a better offense. Uh, You know, Atlanta brings in Marcus Mariota. They draft as Ritter. And wide receiver is still kind of a question mark there, even though they do bring in Drake London. Uh, I think he's more of a high high ceiling, low floor type. Uh, so if he does hit, that, that's going to be very good for Pitts because that'll allow it, free him up a little bit where he won't be doubled. He might still be doubled every single play because he is that good. I just fear the situation isn't going to go uh, as far as we probably think it will. So for me, it's just the two. It's just Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. And I, I want to I, I don't want to say that nobody has a chance to catch them because that's kind of a strong way to put it. I think if anybody is going to creep back up to this spot, I, I think the cleanest line is TJ Hawkinson. But I do think that there is a world where George Kittle, assuming Trey Lance isn't really awful, uh, I, I think there's an outside line we can see George Kittle get back into that conversation where where he was up there with Kelsey for a few years. Uh, but I do think Hawkinson would have the best opportunity of kind of the rest to find himself in that top tier. Yeah, and I know Hawkinson is still very young, but I feel like we haven't quite seen the ceiling for Hawkinson in order to reach this tier. Like, I think he's very comfortable in that tier too as a guy that you're going to start every week you know, for probably the next four or five years. But we haven't seen that, like, you know, top-end tight end that you would probably want to see in that tier. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think the top tier is uh, Pitts and, and Andrews. And the way I define a tier, for the most part, is that, like, when we're talking about a tier, it is, okay, in a, within the scope of a tier, I can make an argument for any single player going over the other in that tier. There is no scenario where I'm taking Kelsey or Kittle or Hawkinson over Pitts or Andrews at this moment. So that that that's where it, there's the clear tier break for me. And in terms of you talking about like who who can enter that top tier or how they're going to enter that top tier, I honestly think that, and obviously this might be me getting excited about a couple of Debbie tight ends, but I think that Michael Meyer and, and Brock Bowers going a little bit further into the future, Meyer and Bowers are our two that are most likely to enter that Pitts tier over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think Bowers probably is is kind of the next up. Um, you know, Myers, Myers is going to, is going to be good in his own right. But I think, uh, I think Brock's probably got, got a cleaner line. It's all going to depend on landing spot and health and the whole nine capital. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I do feel like we haven't seen the best from Hawkinson yet. He's in a getting better situation, a situation that I think is still better than Atlanta's. Um, you know, they have Deandre Swift, Jared Goff is looking like at the very least, uh, uh, above replacement level quarterback, you bring in Jamison Williams, and this is a team that just keeps fighting. So I think Hawkinson fits in nice there. If he can stay healthy, there's no reason to think he's not uh, a lock for a top five tight end finish. 
And realistically, he could outscore Pitts this year uh, if he stays healthy just because he's going to be featured on that offense or he should be featured on that offense about the same that Kyle Pitts will. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Kyle Pitt, like, that, that is kind of the thing with age that, like, I don't think Kyle Pitt's 2022 finish or 2022 points per game really matters all that much. Yes, if he finishes as, as like, tight end 9 or 10 or be like, oh, what's going on there? Like, maybe he's not living up to this, like, generational type prospect. But if Pitts finishes tight end four or tight end six or tight end three, no one's going to blink an eye and be like, oh, like drop Pitts down a bunch. While Andrews, I think for Andrews to, to stay in this tier with Pitts, I think Andrews does have to finish as a top three tight end or people are going to be like, oh, OK, I'm just going to go with the cheap, uh, the, the younger option rather than, you know, going with Andrews. So but I, I do think that with Andrews being probably the number one option and Bateman being number two in, in Baltimore, I think Andrew, Andrews is poised to have. You know, another big year, you know, 1,100 plus yards, seven plus touchdowns. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what Lamar we get and what 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 Ravens offense we get. Um, now, let's go into tier two. Um, so I'm just going to look at ADP right now. I guess we can we can just do it succinctly first and then we can dive deeper into it. So I'm going to start saying names and tell me when tier two ends. Kelsey, Kittle, Hawkinson, Waller. Done. It ends at Waller. I think so. I think those. I think those four are distinctly different than the next seven or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think it's it's very different because we've seen massive seasons out of some of these guys. Now Kelsey is on an offense that no longer has Tyreek Hill, so I think his numbers will at the very very least be his standard floor. Kittle is. I still think probably a, a somewhat low floor, but incredibly high ceiling. And Darren Waller, I mean, we've seen him do these things already. Now, the Raiders do bring in Devontae Adams, which is a, a massive shot, I think, to Darren Waller. And obviously, you still have Hunter Renfro. He hasn't been super healthy, but we do know that he is a difference maker at that position in this league. So, I think Waller will have to do something much like Andrews to stay in that tier. But I do think he starts it off there just based on what we know and what we've seen from the Raiders and Darren Waller at this point. And just kind of circling back a little bit, now that I'm looking at the Range of Outcomes app on Rotoviz, make sure to get your promo code RVRADIO2022 to get the Range of Outcomes app, one of my favorite apps in fantasy. George Kittle, while it might be difficult because of his age to enter that that top tier in Dynasty, he definitely has, you know, top one, top two tight end ability right now. And looking at the range of outcomes app, he actually has uh, one of his range of outcomes is above 20 PPR points per game. So if Kittle, if Kittle puts up above 20 PPR points per game in the 2022 season, I think that he will cement himself back in that top tier despite his age. And I will say th- this this tier could get one person larger if Dalton Schultz continues his ascension the way he has from 2020 to 2021 if he continues to go in that upward trend in 2022 here I think he could very quickly move to the top of that tier not just into that tier but to the top of that tier last year he had 104 targets went for 78 and 808 and eight touchdowns that is like the epitome of what we're looking for from these tight ends you know, if we can if we can get 1,100 yard seasons or 1,200 yard seasons, absolutely awesome. That's just icing on the cake. But Dalton Schultz is kind of that baseline prototypical tight end one 
And I do think he could make that leap into the next tier here. And he's only 25. So, you know, there's there's a lot of, of time in front of him in a great offense with Dak. You know, the uh, a team that has been a little bit more balanced of late. They have C.D. Lamb. They still have Michael Gallup. Obviously, they do trade Amari Cooper. So that should, you know, that should help Dalton Schultz's bottom line at the very least. And I'm guessing he'll probably still be in that 90 to 110 range for targets. You know, we'll, we'll see if they want to keep, you know, Tony Pollard uh, getting kind of his work, if Zeke's going to catch more passes. But the removal of Amari Cooper, in, in my eyes, just means that they have all the faith in the world in Dalton Schultz. And, and we might see, you know, like Jalen Tolbert step up or something as a rookie, kind of the way that we saw Gallup when he was a rookie. But I think, or when he was a sophomore, I should say. Um, I, I think Dalton Schultz is going to be a, a huge component of this offense and, and obviously last year at 104 targets. So. Yeah, yeah I, I think there are a number of guys in the Tier 3 who can very easily get to the top of Tier 2 if things break right correctly. I think they were, that you know, we're in agreement that Darren Waller is the end of Tier 2. And then the guys right below Waller, which are Goddard, Schultz, Fryermuth, Gusecki, Knox, all those guys have to have something go right in order for them to get into that Tier 2 or even – for a couple of them, I think have legitimate chance to like hop Travis Kelsey, obviously as he, you know, declines in value due to his age. So yeah, so I, Darren Waller's the end, but also Darren Waller's obviously the type at the age of twenty nine point eight that he's never going to end up on my rosters. I would, you know, if I'm if I can pay similar amount for T.J. Hawkinson, I'm going to do that every time and, and take the five year uh, age gap. Now let, let's let's go on to and we'll talk about a little some of the some of those guys that we just talked about in a little bit. Um, but let's go down a little bit lower. So we've talked tier two. Now let's talk about tight end two. Um, so just to rattle off some names, we have Cole Komet, Noah Fant, Albert O, Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, Irv Smith, Hunter Henry, Tanyan, Gronk, Evan Ingram, Brevin Jordan, Gerald Everett. Those are the tight end twos, tight end 12 to 24. So who is your favorite value tight end at tight end in the, you know, amongst the tight end twos? Well, I think just by default, it should be Noah Fant. I think Seattle's going to inevitably make a move here at quarterback. I think they probably target Baker Mayfield. But if we take Fant out of the conversation, because I do still think he's a he's a high-end tight end in this league. He's just in arguably the worst situation you could be in right now. It could change very quickly. Uh, and because I do think that Baker is a massive upgrade to Drew Locke. So uh, I, I think beyond that, as much as I love somebody like Irv Smith, um, and even, you know, Albert O, I think Dawson Knox is just kind of always underappreciated. You know, it's, it's Stefan Diggs. Everybody wants Gabriel Davis to be a thing. He can still only run one route. Jamison Crowder is going to be annoying in that offense. But I think we've seen Dawson Knox put up numbers that are, uh, I think at the very least, sufficient with a tight end that is going to continually be in that, that low end tight end one conversation. So I think Knox being a little bit lower, I think he's right there with Fant. I think both of those guys belong in the tight end one conversation, but you know, if something doesn't go their way, we could very quickly see them drop further down this list rather than hold their spot. So it's kind of a boomer bust year for a lot of these guys in this group, in this category where if they're not performing, they're falling off the face of the earth. And even if they're just doing the bare minimum, I don't really see them holding their spot. I think they're they're pretty much all going to have to, you know, have kind of a, 
a 600 yard type season or better to at the very least hold that tight end two area because this is kind of the the tight end carousel that we see you know we always see the same names in the top eight to ten and then it's just you can just throw a bunch of names at the wall and see which one sticks for the next 15 spots so we will see quickly who who is here to stay and uh who isn't meant to be you know your trey mcbrides i think is a name that we'll see quickly fall out of there uh herb smith unfortunately is probably on that same wavelength even someone like Mike Gusecki, now that Miami, they have Jalen Waddle, they bring in Tyreek Hill. That's a tough spot. I, I would love for him to continue to do his thing, but um, tight end in, in this zone is is kind of scary, and that's kind of why I hate tight end, because you just don't really know. Yeah, and kind of the caveat you put on, like I think Fant is the obvious value at tight end 14 right now. But outside of Noah Fant, I think that my one home run swing among these lower-priced guys is Evan Ingram because that Jacksonville Jaguars offense is so wide open that Evan Ingram could be a 10 plus touchdown guy, or he could be like 200 yards and two touchdowns. And so you're going to find out what you have fairly quickly, but I think it's a cheap enough home run swing that it's something that I should go out and and look at acquiring him, you know, before the season starts, because like I said, it's going to be one of those things that like, you're going to find out, Oh, I struck gold or I threw away some assets. And people quickly forget that Evan Ingram had one of the best rookie tight end seasons of all time. Um, you know, and that's we're five years removed from that or six years removed from that now. But I mean, he had a dead armed Eli Manning and then Daniel Jones in offenses that just didn't really seem to be willing to feature him in any capacity. So I think in Jacksonville, we'll see uh, hopefully. Uh, no sophomore slump for Trevor Lawrence, because if we can consider it a slump after that rookie year, we're in trouble. Like you said, it's wide open. I don't have a lot of faith in Christian Kirk to really lead that offense. I think it's going to be a lot of guys getting a lot of targets until we see what works. And I think Evan Engram is at pretty close to the top of that list because again, like a lot of these guys we've talked about, he's a difference maker in the NFL. He just hasn't really gotten a fair shake in his first five seasons. So uh, hopefully he stays healthy and he, he catches on quickly and Jacksonville turns into potentially an offensive powerhouse with a bunch of weird, mediocre weapons. So before we get into the second half of the show, our final topic to discuss among the tight ends here, we've touched on a couple for a couple seconds already, but why is Noah Fant dead? Well, the Seattle Seahawks are bad. I think we can agree on that. Drew Locke is bad. And it seems like it's a team with no real direction. And when when people go to places like that, it's just inevitable that, oh, he's gone. Obviously, you know, they still have DK Metcalf. They still have Tyler Lockett. We're going to assume that the majority of targets are going to those guys. But Noah Fant's going to be working in the space that Drew Locke is more comfortable hitting, if it is Drew Locke. It's Baker Mayfield you might be able to support three pass catchers. You know, we don't know what that backfield's going to look like. If it's if it's even average, that's only going to help the pass catchers. So if uh, if if Kenneth Walker and and Rashad Penny end up kind of being okay, that could be a great thing for Noah Fant. That could be really great for DK Metcalf. I think at this point, it doesn't really matter for Tyler Lockett. He's just going to sprint yeah, down yeah. the sideline. I mean, it. If Tyler Lockett is on the Seahawks in week eight, it's a blasphemy to like 
the world. Like, there's right. no reason for Tyler Lockett to be on the Seahawks other than the salary cap hit, which obviously that's the reason he's he's currently still on the Seahawks. But there's going to be some team who has a, a wide receiver injury who will eat the cap and be like, okay, like Tyler Lockett is good enough to you know to eat this this cap hit. I think what'll end up happening is we'll we'll see a Tyler Lockett trade and then instantly a DK Metcalf contract. Yep. Yeah, so as far as Noah Fant, looking at his stats, um, 562 yards, 14.1 yards per catch, and, his, uh, and three touchdowns. In rookie season, pretty good, 14.1 yards per catch. And then in his last two seasons, 670, 673, and three and four touchdowns. So he hasn't, he hasn't found the end zone quite as much as you might have expected when he was you know, the uh, 20th overall pick in the NFL draft. Um, and I think that the, we- the weird thing is, is people, like in the worst-case scenario for 2022 – is he has the exact same quarterback that he's had right. his entire career, basically. So how is that a negative? Like, at the very least, he's going to be putting up this 600 yards and a few touchdowns game. Um, so I'm buying the ceiling of Noah Fant, and I think that he can very easily find himself back in that tier two quickly. It just it's, it might take a Baker Mayfield trade, or it might take, you know, a year of tanking for the Seahawks to then, you know, pick up a quarterback of the future. Yeah, I'm fully on board with that. I think he's been nothing but consistent in his three years. Uh, you know, his numbers kind of have a slight downward trend to them, but so is his quarterback play. His quarterback play has been pretty much atrocious from the get-go, and it's only gotten worse with time. Uh, the one thing I think I'll agree with on the on maybe the Noah Fant haters is that I think Denver is a much more tight end-friendly team than the Seahawks, even though we do see random guys like Will Disley that show up and, and put up weird numbers of points. So I, I do think that well, Noah, sure. Fant, no, Noah Fant is the best Seahawks tight end in at least like 10 years, maybe well, since, years. since Jimmy Graham. <laughs> uh, he wasn't good. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He was very bad. But I mean, Will Disley is Will Disley. So yeah, it's a big upgrade. I, I think he works really well with someone like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, uh, we just need to see how he's used. And if his team is going to continue to be a run first, run second, run third team with bad quarterback play, even though they had Russell Wilson previously, but now they take a huge step backwards on that front. It could end up being tough for Noah Fan. I just, I don't see how it's worse than it was already. Now, if we do see a Baker Mayfield trade, uh, we will see Noah Fan's ADP increase. And, uh, what website might we see his ADP increase on, Dan? Well, if I had to take a wild guess, I'm going to go ahead and say Underdog Fantasy. My friends, Underdog has been with us now for, uh, it seems like, forever. I feel like we are life mates at this point. And Underdog, honestly, they make it they make it so easy to play fantasy football in these best ball leagues. Uh, Best Ball Mania 3 is happening. It's 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 kind of impressive that more people aren't on board already, but don't be one of those because get in with Underdog. They're the best. It's super easy. It's so much fun. The best place to play at, at just always is Underdog. The Best Ball Mania 3 tournament, like I said before, has a $10 million uh, total prize pool, which think about that. That's insane. That's a lot of zeros, Nathan. And the best part is you you draft your fantasy team and that's it. There's no waivers. There's no trading. There's no in-season management. It's best ball. You pick your team. You're good to go. And 
you know, it's, I mean, how, how much easier is it than that? So underdog gives you your best score each week, just like how most best balls would work. And then the highest score at the end of the year wins a big chunk of that money. And again, $10 million. That's all. That's a lot of, that's a lot of cheddar. Uh, the champion of last year's best ball mania drafted in June. So we still got a couple of days here. Get in now while you can. Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with promo code ROTOVIZ. That's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z. Again, they're matching up to $100 on your first deposit. That's free That's free entries into the into the Best Ball Mania, Nathan. Why Why are people not taking advantage of this? I don't. I, I, I ne- will never understand. Never. It's wild. Just make sure you get over to Underdog Fantasy. Download the app. Do the website. Do the whole bit. Come on, guys. It's Underdog. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's play a couple tight end games. Uh, and that's not just what Dan and I call Saturday night. Um, <laughs> rookie! Rookie of the Vets! We got some Rookie of the Vet tight end edition. Um, let's crank hold on, through. hold on. But before you crank through it, can I get? Can you give me the one high note rookie year that you got? Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm in, the, I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. Here we go. Rookie to that. Here we go. Uh, like first, Gibb. first we have first we have rookie Trey McBride pitted against veteran Albert Oquig Boonham. Where are we at with this one, Daniel? Shout out to my guy, Russell Clay. Hey, yo, Albert O, man. I I, I get the Trey McBride hype. I, I still think that Zach Ertz is a problem in the short term there. And, you know, these, these rookie tight ends are, are always boomer bust. For the most part, they are bust. So um, I think both of these guys are kind of on the same playing field as far as how they're starting this year is kind of the beginning of their career. I think Albert O is going to be Noah Fant in Denver. I, I I don't see a real issue for him there. I think Denver could be a very good offense with Russell Wilson, obviously with Jerry Judy, but the injuries there, Cortland Sutton, you know, they're, they're going to be a problem. Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, that's going to be a fun offense. And, and Albert O is going to get some free looks. Uh, and I just, I don't see as much upside in the short term as with as Trey McBride. So I'm going to go Albert O here. Yeah, I'm also going to go Albert O, the veteran side of this. And I, I think it's solely because Trey McBride, you know, with a little bit better draft capital is where Albert O was three years ago. 
And it's like, okay, do you want to wait three years to get what you now have in Alberto? Or do you want to just take Alberto now and, you know, take the risk? Okay, this guy was a fourth round pick that, that carries a slight risk with it. But the Broncos don't trade away Noah Fant if they don't have at least some level of confidence. And then don't, I guess they did, they did draft Greg, Greg Dulcich. But, but I, I, I do think that Albert O is in the driver's seat to be the tight end one in Denver and is going to be, you know, a high end tight end two range, maybe low end tight end one for his upside. Um, so, yeah, I'll take Albert O here just because I think it's an unnecessary waiting game. Of, like, if McBride was the only show in town and there wasn't Zach Ertz, I, I might smash McBride here. But with Ertz, oh. I, with Ertz, with Ertz in the building, I don't see any reason to, to to take McBride here. No way, you can get him in. You can get him in two years for half the price you can get him for now. And next one, we have the rookie Jelani Woods, the Metrics Freak, or also pretty sure he's also in the Metrics Freak range. Uh, Gerald Everett. Metrics are hashtag cool, uh, but talking about. You know, when's the last time the Seattle Seahawks had a good tight end? It might have been a, Gerald Everett, a, but now, oh, yeah. <laughs> but now Nathan, he upgrades at quarterback. He upgrades on offense. He's on the Chargers now, and we've seen them. You know, obviously Mike Williams kind of took that big step forward. We were hoping for Keenan Allen's no spring chicken. He's thirty something, I think, at this point. Maybe, maybe almost forty. Who knows? Gerald Everett could instantly step in and kind of take over what we had previously seen from Hunter Henry, who was kind of, I don't want to say underwhelming, but he always, his price always kind of seemed to rise up. He was a little bit younger at the time. Gerald Everett's 28, so again, he he's no spring chicken either, but I do think he has a very clear role here to a decent number of targets. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Gerald Everett here. I do think Jelani Woods is a fun stash. I just don't think we're going to see anything from him in the short term. Yeah, for me, I'm leaning the rookie here. I just don't see a scenario where I'm excited to put Gerald Everett in my tight end slot, even even with him having Justin Herbert and the better offense in the Chargers at the helm. And so I'd rather take the home run swing with Jelani Woods, a guy who, you know, there is opportunity in that Colts offense. Like, really, it's basically just Michael Pittman, and that's about it. Like there, there, there is opportunity in that Indianapolis offense. Uh, am I forgetting somebody? Is that what you're giggling about? I, I'm only smiling because I'm still curious if they found Matt Ryan a new arm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I lean Johnny Woods here, not because of Matt Ryan or anything. It's more so just because I think that he's going to get some immediate opportunity. And I think that the upside's there. I think that Everett is capped at like being a mid tight end too. And it's not really something I need to have on my roster. Um, Next, we'll go to the Buccaneers tight ends. Rookie, Kate Otten, or veteran Cameron Brait? You could have done, like, uh, Debbie or not with Kate Otten, and I would have guessed that he was, like, a landscaper from <laughs> Georgia or something. Um, I'm going to go Cameron Brait here just because he has the history. Yeah, he's 30, but Gronk is gone, and, and Brait's filled the shoes on several occasions. Um and really, he put a damper on on all of our O.J. Howard love. So maybe I should hate him, but I, I think he's just kind of free points at this stage. I don't think he's going to be a crazy, you know, he's not he's never going to ascend to like a tight end one spot. But I do think that he'll be able to put up enough points where definitely in best ball leagues, you're going to want him. But he's a great he'll be a great bye week type fill in. Um, and he could be a, a nice, you know, zero tight end type 
type asset where you just take him in like the 15th or 16th or whatever, or you grab him off the waiver wire if your tight ends suck like most of my teams because I refuse to use any sort of capital on them. Um, Cameron Braid's a perfect guy for that. You can just plug and play, pick your matchups, and I would assume he's only going to be viable for about eight weeks until Tom calls Gronk and says, hey, come back, we need you because this Cameron Braid guy sucks. And uh, at that point, they'll cut Kate Otten. Brait will be the backup. <laughs> Gronk will be the starter. So, yeah, I'm going to say Brait here just for me, that reasoning. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna play both sides of the fence here. In Dynasty Best Ball, I will take Cameron Brait. And in Dynasty Season Long, I will take Kate Otten. I think Brait's going to be a very nice play. He's going to probably have four or five startable weeks in Dynasty Best Ball. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult to, to pinpoint which weeks he's going to put up that, like, two catches for eight yards and two touchdown type game. Um, and so I'll, I'll take the upside of Kate Otten as, you know, the, the Buccaneers may, went out of their way to acquire that, that first pick in the fourth round. They used it on Kate Otten. And so they have some vision of Kate Otten in the future. So um, I, I think that there's more likely than not that both of these guys don't make a lot of dynasty rosters, but you know, in best ball, I'll take Bray and in dynasty I'll, uh, in, in seasonal, I'll take, a stab at Kate Otten. Next one, a interesting one, um, pitting the rookie Jeremy Ruckert and the newly labeled tight end Taysom Hill. The fact that you even have Taysom on a, Taysom Hill on a list on a show with me is pretty infuriating. So I just by default, I can't pick Taysom Hill. I'm going to go with Jeremy Ruckert, but. How many conversations have you and I personally had about taking Jeremy Ruckert in far too many leagues, but one specifically <laughs> where we last year didn't have any tight ends and this year have good tight ends. And we still decided to get Jeremy Ruckert uh, because we both thought that there was some upside in him in that offense. I, I think, I think Ruckert has, I mean, significantly more upside than, than Taysom Hill. Sure. They're going to give Taysom some looks because he signed an absurd contract. And they're just going to probably try to run him into the Earth's crust, hope he get in, it gets injured, and then they don't have to feature him anymore. I do think Ruckert, on what should be a growing uh, an, a growing offense, if Zach Wilson takes that step forward and, and Ruckert can find his way kind of as a, as a role player, I don't think either one of these guys is ever going to be a difference maker. But I do think Ruckert can be one of those nice streaming tight end options. Is that this year? Probably not. But are you really ever going to start Taysom Hill in anything unless he has multi-position, you know, eligibility, which he shouldn't have anymore because of the new tight end tag? I'm going to say no. So by default, you should never be ticking, picking Taysom Hill for anything. But with just pure upside, I think Ruckert has, has to be the okay. obvious choice. Okay, here is the sole loan argument for Taysom Hill. I'm still taking Jeremy Ruckert on my dynasty teams. But the argument for Taysom Hill is that he is a tight end on my fantasy league and he's a tight end on all the other services. And most of the services don't do in season position changes. So if Taysom Hill gets two or three starts at tight end, that might be more valuable than Jeremy Ruckert's entire career. Those two or three starts <laughs> at quarterback as tight end, like getting a quarterback to start at tight end is extremely valuable. Sure. Okay. I'll, I'll but, allow that. But they've signed Andy Dalton. So there's no chance that Taysom Hill starting anything. Also true. It's almost like they should have learned that lesson years ago. All right. Let's wrap up the show with a keep trade drop, 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 keep trade drop. 
Uh, trio of tight ends we didn't talk about much. I know you, you hit on Gusecki and, and Knox a little bit. Um, but the keep trade drop is Mike Gusecki, Dawson Knox, and Pat Fryermuth. Where are you going with this one? Well, I, I think the obvious trade here is Pat Fryermuth. Um, I, I think Pittsburgh has kind of lost its identity a little bit now with Ben retiring. Um, no longer having like AB or Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, they have Najee Harris, who I think they're just going to continue to overwork. Uh, we don't really know with Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool kind of has been hit and miss. And I I don't love the short term. You know, they they pick, they took Kenny Pickett, who I think is terrible. They signed Mitch Trubisky, who I also think is terrible. And Pat Fryermuth's you know, we we talked this about this last top season about how he was going to be a great value, and he was a great value until he all of a sudden is like tight end eight or nine or something in ADP, which is absurd because he hasn't really done a lot yet or really anything. And I don't think he's going to be featured in that offense. I think he's probably fourth or fifth at best in the pecking order. So I, I think because of just his pure value, I'm, I'm trading for Ironmuth. Now the next part is a little bit tougher. But I do think that you have to cut Gasecki solely because of the addition of Tyreek Hill. It could help him. It's most likely going to hurt him. I don't think Tua has the ability to to prop up three big-time pass catchers. And I think Knox, because we've seen him do it already, and they don't really add anything. I know, a lot, like, like I said before, a lot of people are, are assuming Gabriel Davis is going to be great. I still think he's a one-trick pony. And I, I think Crowder could take some of... Knox's looks on the underneath, but I think Buffalo is going to be a team that continues to throw it more than they run it. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities. So I'm going to keep Knox. I'm going to drop or cut um, Gasecki, and I'm going to trade Frymuth. All right, I am going to start off by dropping uh, Dawson Knox. I think that that it's a, obviously a popular talking point when trying to talk down the value of Dawson Knox. But I think that his touchdown numbers were inflated in 2021 and that when those decrease, he'll, he'll go from, you know, top six tight end to, you know, top 12 tight end. Um, so start off by dropping Knox. And then I'm going to keep Mike Gusecki. Uh, I, I'm i not as worried about the Tyree Kill acquisition. I think that the the Tyree Kill acquisition increases the touchdown upside of, of Mike Gusecki and that entire offense. Um, you know, if Tua is competent whatsoever, he should be able to support Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Mike Gusecki just fine. Um, and so I, I think that Gusecki's the guy of, of these guys that I think is the most undervalued. And then Pat Fryermuth, uh, he's the trade. Um, I think that he's appropriately valued, but he's not going to be as like you know confidently startable on a week-to-week basis because we don't know what we're getting from Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky. And Fryermuth is still growing into the position, so... Uh, I'm going to take the, the older guy in, in Gusecki among this group as the key. I'm going to drop uh, Dawson Knox and trade Firemouth. My only question before we go to the wrap of this, so just to have a little bit of a, a defense on the keep trade drop situation, and we'll take Firemouth completely out because I think we're both on, kind of on the same wavelength as, as far as him being the trade. But between Gusecki and Knox, is uh, how big is the gap between Josh Allen and Tua Tagovailoa for number of pass attempts are we talking a hundred or plus or minus 110 120 150 i just feel like there's so much more opportunity for dawson knox uh just solely based on volume regardless of the touchdown upside i think we'll see his yardage and and you know potentially the catches 
either remain the same or go up a little bit. And even if there is a little bit uh, of coming back to earth for the touchdowns, I, I think the volume alone, the upside is greater for Dawson Knox. I think he's, you know, sure, just, but do, do you expect the volume to increase? Is it, it, it was at 71 this year. Is for his targets or his catches? Yeah, I think he can be in that 90 range. Um, I, I think we're going to see Josh Allen hovering around that 700 attempt line unless they have unless they have the number one spot locked up by week 15. I, I don't see a world where they're not just throwing as much as they possibly can. Whereas I think we see Miami. Maybe I don't think they're going to necessarily take it slow with Tua, but I don't think he's going to be rifling off more than like 550 or 600, assuming health. If he's not healthy, then we're really screwed. Yeah, I mean, the, the Tua the Allen comparison is the one way to like say, oh, Knox over Gusecki. But you, you're projecting Knox to get to those 90 targets, and Gusecki's basically been there for the last three years. 89, 89 targets, 85 targets, and 112 targets. I I don't see Mike Gusecki getting 112 targets with Tyreek Hill in the offense, right. but I, I think that not that 90 target is probably like a median or maybe even maybe lower than the median projection for Mike Gusecki. So uh, I, I just think that the, the volume is going to be a little bit higher on his end and will make up will make up for the the gap in talent level at quarterback position. So you wouldn't have you wouldn't rather have 90 targets from Josh Allen? You'd rather have 90 targets from Tua Tagovailoa? No, I'm saying that you're. <laughs> I'm saying I'm not as confident in Knox going up to that 90 target level. So I'll I'll take I'll take 90 targets from Tua rather than 71 targets from Knox or from Josh Allen. I mean, he had 71 in 15 games, so sure. I think he was going to probably be in that same realm with yeah. Gasecki. I just don't think there's any any chance in hell that that Gasecki is getting tight end one target numbers with. Tyreek Hill in the offense. And now I, I'd love to be proven wrong because I'd probably have more Mike Kosecki shares than anybody, including you, Nathan. I think <laughs> I've bought some of my shares off of you. Um, I, I just, I really don't see more upside in this conversation than with Dawson Knox and, and obviously Josh Allen. Um, yeah. You know, one of, one of them added a, one of the, if not the best wide receiver in the league uh, that's not named Chase or Jefferson and the other team, you know, has been hyped up with Gabriel Davis and brought in Jamison Crowder. So um, I think it'll be fun to watch. I think at the end of the day, both of those guys could end up potentially being the same person. Has anyone seen them in a room together? I haven't. <laughs> All righty. That should wrap us up for this evening. Make sure to subscribe to Rotoviz RV Radio 2022 for a 10% discount. And Underdog, our partners, promo code Rotoviz gets 100% deposit match up to $100. Any last words, Dan? We love you, Underdog. We love you, Rotoviz. All right, that should wrap us up for this evening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!